Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Something crazy. Like you looked like really like focused on something. It was. Are, are we live? We can. We can. <laughs> are we, are we, had we live? A, we had a double stream situation. And I was saying what I thought were perfectly rational things. Like, oh, there's like some strategy in this. And Greg was like focused on figuring out what the problem was but his focus just looked as if he thought i was the dumbest person yeah i mean i'm not saying the two things can't be true at the same time but but also i was i was trying to figure it out and people are messaging me like is, is the show working where can i where can i see the stream and I, i was trying to figure out the same time so i was also messaging tyler and we're just trying to we're just trying to figure out what's what's going on with the stream and then i'm also trying to hold a conversation with you so it's just kind of scattered with thoughts in a lot of different places but anyway Guys, the show is sponsored by Yahoo. And if you have start sit questions, put them in the YouTube chat. We'll be answering everybody's questions. If you're in the premium Slack chat on Osmo, also tag Kyle on those questions. We could get to those. Uh, but as for Yahoo, today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. All right. It's, it's like a new show now. New program. We've started all over. All right. And yeah, it seems like people are able to watch it now. Um, we're starting to get some questions in, which is good. Uh, so here's a question from Mark Maloney in the YouTube chat. Kuti, uh, Landry, or Chark, which of these guys would you roster? Uh, for me, I would go with Landry of those three, especially considering what his roles looked like in the last few games. Now that Odell Beckham's out and Landry's actually healthy. Because remember, Landry himself was not healthy for, for a chunk of the season. You look at him last week, end up with eight, tar- uh, eight catches, had a pretty big game. He's clearly the number one option now for Cleveland. I think it makes a big difference. Also, Baker Mayfield's playing better as of late. And I understand there's a little bit of inconsistency there, but still, I don't totally trust Kiki Kuti right now, even with Will Fuller out. And that, and I think Landry's just a better player. Uh, DJ Chark, I love him, but it's hard to trust the quarterback situation in Jacksonville. So of those three players, who would you want to roster, Kuti, Landry, or DJ Chark? I think Chark was kind of the player I ruled out initially, just thinking that, uh, like, is his role that much better than Landry? Or, you know, it's probably better in, like, a market share sense than Kuti, but you have to adjust for the context of his quarterback being Mike Lennon. And at that point, like, especially, it would seem like he runs the the highest difficulty routes, ones that are 15, 20 yards down the field. I, I have no faith that Mike Lennon can uh, can hit those routes. So, He was one, unfortunately, I love Chark. I have him on some teams. I, I probably have to say I ruled out initially. It's tough for me between Kuti and, and Landry. I think Landry probably ends up getting the slight edge just because he is so involved in an offense that while not like super, obviously they're one of the more run-heavy teams, when they pass, they actually do so fairly well. Like you said, Baker Mayfield has looked 
pretty good as of recently and say what you want about like his actual talent. I know they've used like a lot of play action. They've got him moving. I don't really care. Like if he's good or bad, he's playing as if he's good. So I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the secured targets with someone like Landry on an offense that when they do pass, they do it well. So I'll go with that. Kuti was close for me though. Like they are the Houston Texans are, I believe second in the NFL in passing yards per game. Deshaun Watson looked good without Will Fuller. I will say though, that game, may have given us a little bit too much confidence because Brandon Cooks missed like a quarter or more while being evaluated for concussion. So that's, uh, I think it was a nine target, eight catch game. I don't want to, I, I we just know more. We have more information on Landry that says he's going to get a lot of targets where we our sample size for someone like Kuti is much smaller and probably skewed. So that kind of risk is not worth taking on for me when I think like Jarvis Landry probably has the better median projection. The upside looks similar if his team actually has to pass a lot, but the floor is, is just so much higher. Yeah, so something else that I'll talk about uh, when making some of these decisions, too, in your leagues, I'll look at our, our DFS projections. I'll see, like, hey, who do we have projected for more fantasy points? And of those three, it is Jarvis Landry right now for PPR. They're all pretty close, though. They're all within about a point of each other. Uh, but Landry is the highest of the three. And I also do consider him to be the safest, even with uh, a somewhat tough matchup against Baltimore. Because the other thing about Baltimore, too, is, you know, they suffered some injuries in the secondary last week. And it's a team that you know, they've been pretty decimated lately between injuries and then also the whole COVID situation. It's it's probably a team that's not quite as good on defense as the numbers show, but it's always hard to figure out the true quality of defenses sometimes at this point in the in the year, just because players are out. And then especially this year, when you have players who are, you know, in and out of the lineup due to COVID, it, it's kind of hard to just take those numbers at face value and say that the Ravens for sure have one of the best pass defenses in the NFL, because even though it's been the case for most of the year, I'm not totally sure that's the case as of right now. Uh, so here's somebody who has a pretty good start-sit situation. Uh, Skylar Usery here in the YouTube chat says, Aaron Jones or Austin Eckler. If you're choosing between those two guys to start or sit, chances are your team's sitting pretty well. Yeah, how did you – I have questions. <laughs> how did you get to this this spot where, like, isn't there – don't you have an extra flex spot? He's like, oh, well, I can't. I'm playing Devontae Adams in the flex, so I couldn't pull <laughs> him out or whatever. I, like, I don't know how one of these guys has to sit – like I'll go with Aaron Jones. I think their roles are similar. Austin Eckler probably has a more secure passing role, which is crazy because Aaron Jones is also a really good pass catcher. But the touchdown potential is just so incredible for Aaron Jones, given his team has a 31 and a half implied team total. I know it can't be that good for the Chargers because they're not even favorites against the Falcons. And it's a good game environment. I think like there probably aren't necessarily wrong answers to this question. But given that I think their roles are, are similar enough, I'm going to take the guy who has vastly more touchdown potential. Uh, you know, what's funny about, about that one is because it was also I just I just went and looked at, at the at the points to the 10th of the projection. We have Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler at the same exact fantasy projection <laughs> uh, projection of 18.21 points. I'll say this. If you're between Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler, I don't really think you can go wrong. I, I yeah. think that both of them are are really strong plays. Aaron Jones also a really good matchup against the Lions. Austin Eckler playing against the Falcons, a team that's notoriously struggled against pass catching running backs over the last, you know, five, six years. So with that considered, I think both of them are in really good spots. And if you're sitting one of them, I, I would hope that you're probably going to win unless we find out that it's like, Oh, you're in between those guys, but you're actually rostering like Mark Ingram or something ridiculous like that. Uh, that's something else I would consider is if you're, if you're choosing between Eckler and Jones, who is it that you're actually playing? Like, is there somebody that's a, a lesser projected player that's in that lineup you could take out? Cause I mean, those are two pretty strong fantasy producers. Uh, all right, here from Bobby Meets World, full PPR flex spot, J.K. Dobbins, T.Y. Hilton, or Mike Davis. And he says, if Christian McCaffrey's out. Well, here's the good news, Bobby. Uh, Christian McCaffrey looks like he is going to be out. And 
I assume anybody who has Christian McCaffrey did not make the fantasy playoffs. So it's kind of a funny thing where it's like, oh, Christian McCaffrey, it seems like significant news, but it's not really because anybody who had the first overall pick and took McCaffrey, chances are their team is dead anyway. So considering the McCaffrey in all likelihood not playing this week between J.K. Dobbins, T.Y. Hilton, or Mike Davis, who are you going with? To me, that's a pretty easy Mike Davis. Yeah, there's just so much certainty. Whenever whenever Christian McCaffrey is out, Mike Davis plays like 70% of Christian McCaffrey or something like that. His target volume has been incredible. They don't give a ton of work to their backups. It's just uh, like J.K. Dobbins' ceiling is kind of Mike Davis's floor in terms of volume. Like undoubtedly, I would say J.K. Dobbins like a better player, but there's so much noise that goes into me thinking he's a better player that I can't really like, what does that move the needle? Two, three, four percent? That is not nearly enough to make up for the volume advantage that we can give to Mike Davis. Yeah, and here's the deal. Like, I actually think Dobbins looks really good when he's on the field, uh, right? Like, I, I think he's he's shown to be really elusive. He's difficult to tackle. He breaks a lot of tackles. But like you said, there's just not enough playing time there for him. So specifically for a head-to-head type format when we're in this part of the season, it's just hard to trust him. It's it's more like a DFS GPP play if you're if you're going for Dobbins, like a 1% or 2% owned player. There's just not enough floor there for me to trust him in a head-to-head, particularly at the playoffs part of the year. The only way I'd start him is if you're in a situation where it's like, you know, you're, you're way behind, you're getting crushed, you need somebody with upside, right? Like if you're like me and you played Daryl Henderson last night and you need a bunch of points to catch up and you just have a bunch of kind of mediocre options, like we talked about Daryl Mooney earlier. And it's like, if you're going between Mooney and Dobbins, I would say if you need the floor, you go with Mooney, you'd only go with somebody like Dobbins if you really need the ceiling. But yeah, not somebody that I'm overly enthused about playing at this point in the season. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? And guys, any questions, firemen, we will, we will get to them as we go. Um, I saw somebody mention uh, DeAndre Swift. So I think it's worth bringing up just him in general, because, you know, he missed some time with, with a uh, concussion issue and Adrian Peterson had some pretty alarming comments to the media where he said that like, Hey, even though DeAndre Swift is back at practice and everything, he said to him, he doesn't seem like a guy who's back to hundred percent. He said that he still thinks that he has some residual effects of, of having the concussion, which he called a brain injury, which also is something else. I think we should think of concussions as brain injuries more than just general head injuries. But yeah. is, does that concern you at all with DeAndre Swift for the rest of the season? Uh, yeah, it definitely isn't a, a great indicator. Although like we know that there's so much like uh, noise that goes into these kinds of reports and like just one long run, like DeAndre Swift comes out, you know, say they give him the start. He was starting before he suffered the concussion. He goes for a long run. Like, are you really going to put Adrian Peterson? I think he had like 2.3 yards per carry last week. As a coach, are you really going to put Adrian Peterson back in the fold saying, oh, well, you know, dude, this genie can certainly go back in the bottle. I would say no. So I think basically maybe it makes it his floor. I mean, certainly it makes his floor less. But I still think it probably remains unchanged in terms of his ceiling. And it's just possible that, like, not that this is BS, but just that, like, you know, coaches are concerned that his player is hurt and says, like, oh, well, he's a football player. He'll tough through it. Like, we see this with, like, Chris McCaffrey was supposed to rotate his role coming back with Mike Davis. I think it was 18 carries and 10 freaking targets. Like, I think if you're you're playing DeAndre Swift, if the plan is to play DeAndre Swift, I'm probably still sticking with it unless there's a really convincing alternative, like our like our Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones question. Yeah, and... Here, here's the, I don't know that the Christian McCaffrey was actually supposed to rotate. I think that, 
I think that Ian Rapport, and not to Barry Rapport because he's one of the better reporters, I don't think he gets the best information on Sunday mornings in terms of players' roles and what their touches are going to look like. I think there's, I think he makes a lot of educated guesses, and I don't necessarily think that means he's totally wrong. But if he says something on Sunday morning, I don't necessarily think that it's the truth and something we have to hold. Specifically, it's something I've started to ignore for DFS because if Ian <laughs> Rapport says something, there's been a lot of times he's been wrong this year. And I think he makes a lot of educated guesses that I think are assumptions we would make. But at the same time, too, I don't think there's any offensive coordinators texting Ian Rappaport on Sunday morning and be like, hey, 15 touches for Christian McCaffrey today. <laughs> I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. So I, I don't always think that when he says something that we have to put in stone that that is what's going to happen. Um, so just play play your best guys, specifically if it's somebody like, uh, you know, the Christian McCaffrey situation where he was actually going to be active for that game and then uh, ended up not being limited at all. Although one of only three games, it looks like he's going to play the entire season. So that is what it is. Uh, let's see who else has questions in the chat uh, right here from Noah W zero six zero eight. Who should I start at the flex? Naheem Hines, Brandon Ayuk, uh, AB. I assume that he means Antonio Brown or Raheem Mostert. Uh, what was it? Niam? Niam? Uh, <laughs> think... uh, Hines, Hines, Ayuk, Antonio Brown and Mostert. Um, I'm probably ruling out Hines and Mostert because they're both committee backs in their own ways. Last week, surprisingly, Mostert came back and basically split that role with Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson even got like red zone carries, all of which he seemed to get stuffed on. But uh, that's, uh, you know, it's the the intent was there to give Jeff Wilson over Raheem Mostert touch like touchdown potential. So and the, the same thing with Hines. Like we've seen Jonathan Taylor pick up his role most recently. He's been a really efficient receiver whenever called upon. I think really Hines is just limited to this like, meh PPR back which is fine like if you're starting him I don't think it's a bad decision but I think when you have someone like Brandon Ayuk who saw like nine targets last week I would go with that I think the real question is Ayuk versus AB AB being uh like probably the number three receiver on his team Ayuk being the 1A 1B like basically a split but man the the team total for for Tampa Bay is so high and their pass percentage is so high. I think they're top five in pass percentage in the league that I think I'm comfortable going with the number three receiver because I, I think his ceiling as like formerly the best receiver in football now on a team that passes a ton and a team that Vegas sees as putting up like the fifth most points on the entire week. I think that ceiling just vastly eclipses Brandon Ayuk, despite me probably admitting that the floor projection for Antonio Brown is that he goes out and gets three or four targets because he's playing alongside Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I think like as you move up towards the the 50th, 75th, 90th percentile outcome, that's where AB really begins to separate himself. And I'm willing to take on a little bit of that risk when I think Brandon Ayuk on his team just being so meh, and they're actually favored this week, so they might not have to have to be passing a lot. I'm going to shoot for that ceiling when I don't think I sacrifice like a ton of median projection. Yeah. I think that Ayuk and Brown are both fine options. I mean, if you look at Ayuk over the last four games, nearly a 30% target share. Uh, he's also scored, was it four touchdowns in his last five starts. And then look at just the overall total targets in the last four games, nine, 14, 11, seven. So he's very involved. I don't think you could go wrong with Brown or Ayuk. Also two players that have pretty similar median projections. I think both of them are fine options. Uh, here's somebody in a, a less good spot, we'll call it. Uh, 720 Red Dog asks us, Peyton Barber or Adrian Peterson? Oh, my God. <laughs> this is brutal. Oh, man. Um, I mean, assuming Swift plays, given that his team is a massive underdog, like much more so than than Washington is, I guess Peyton Barber. Man, I, I RIP to your team. Good luck. I think Peyton Barber had, like, the red zone work early in the season that he stole, like, multiple touchdowns early from Gibson. I think that was week one. 
whereas I don't know what, if any, role we see from Adrian Peterson. So I guess I'll take the floor in touches, uh, and both of them are underdogs, one of them Washington less so. I guess that's my argument, but I feel weakly convicted in such a sad discussion. Yeah, so Peyton Barber last week, at least the touches were there, uh, 14 for 23 yards. He did score a touchdown, though. So like yeah. you said, right, he's got he's getting the red zone targets, I mean, the red zone touches. So maybe Washington gets in the red zone, and that's probably what they're going to do is just going to give the ball to Peyton Barber a bunch of times without Antonio Gibson there. Barber's been ridiculously inefficient this year. But if you want some positive look at him, it hasn't really prevented them from giving him the ball. He has double-digit touches in each of the last two weeks. Also during the broadcast, they said that um, – even this was even before Gibson got hurt was I forget who was on. It might've been Collinsworth who was on the broadcast. I forget who was doing it, but, but anyway, they said that Ron Rivera had told them before the game that one of his plans was, he said, we need to get Peyton Barber more involved. I don't know why he thinks <laughs> that, but, but that, that was something they said. And then Peyton Barber ended up touching the ball a ton of times. Uh, Pey- Peyton Barber's best game. This is actually really funny. Peyton Barber's best game of the year, week one against the Eagles. 17 carries for 29 yards, but he happened to score two one-yard touchdowns. But that is, that is why if, if there's ever a game you want to look at and you say, what's the case for making touchdowns less valuable in, in NFL fantasy, it would be Peyton Barber's game in week one where it's like, oh, yeah, he had a good fantasy game, but he also had 17 carries for 29 yards. Uh, anyway, yeah, I agree. I think the workload for Peyton Barber makes him uh, a little bit more of a priority over Adrian Peterson. Like you said, DeAndre Swift coming back, that's certainly an issue when we when we think about Peterson's work role. And so Peyton Barber, yeah, I mean, I guess give me the, the 20 carries for 28 yards and, and, and hope that he ends up finding the end zone once or twice. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Um, another one from, okay, this is a better question from 720 Red Dog. We just had to help him figure out whether he should play Adrian Peterson or Peyton Barber, but here's some better players he has to choose between. This is at wide receiver. Alan Lazard, Tyler Boyd, or Jamison Crowder for his flex spot. So at least at least his wide receiver situation is a little bit better than the running back one. He said Alan Lazard, Jamison Crowder, or Tyler Boyd. Well, unfortunately, I'm not sure if we're going to see Crowder. He got injured in practice. Uh, like, he might play. I don't know. It could just be a small thing. So I, I feel like there's a lot of risk with playing Crowder. I, I, man, I really don't want to play the, the number one or two target of Brandon Allen. But I feel like, I guess, I don't know, unless it was like a no PPR league, I would go with Tyler Boyd just because you lock in targets. And if there's going to be a receiver on this team that I would think would excel, it'd be the one who's just getting essentially manufactured touches in like coming out of the slot, these low dot, good separation routes. I guess I'd go with him. If it was like no PPR, I would say your touchdown potential is probably greater with the very, very distant number two receiver for Aaron Rodgers. But I think overall his his projection is just so slim when you look at the amount of volume that Devontae Adams is going to take away, like the red zone work that Robert Tunyon gets, the receiving and rushing work that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams get. Like, I'm going to take the targets, even if they're incredibly less efficient coming from Brandon Allen. Yeah, and I mean, here's here's the other thing with, with Tyler Boyd. He caught one pass last week. But it was a 72-yard touchdown. So, I mean, you, you could do worse. He is he is a big play receiver, so he does have a potential break one. Really favorable matchup against the Cowboys also. I know that Brandon Allen isn't any good, but can the Cowboys' defense stop anybody? Like, these are some of my favorite matchups in fantasy where you, when you get the stoppable force against the movable object. And it's just like, what what happens, right? Was, does this terrible Bengals offense score? Or, or is the, the Dallas defense, which was unable to get any stops in any situations last week, will they be able to get a stop? So I guess that, that's kind of um, something to think about. And I'll ask you that as I look for more questions. 
who do you think wins out the the bad Bengals offense or the bad Cowboys defense I think like the the data will show that it's typically the quarterback and the offense that has more like effect on the game environment in, in general like the better example is the easy way to point it out is when you look at like Patrick Mahomes versus literally anyone there is no defense like you can really stop Patrick Mahomes for four, four quarters you look at like the Super Bowl sure they were able to put up a good half against Patrick Mahomes you just can't stop the best players for an entire series of, of like the course of a game and on the other end of the spectrum bad quarterbacks are going to give players like give even the worst cornerbacks like easy layup interceptions they're going to walk themselves into sacks like this is something that like Carson Wentz routinely does where he just gives defender sacks he just bumps into the backs of linemen and spins around and doesn't know where he's going and he walks into sacks that any middle of the road like D tackle can pick up so because the quarterback controls so much of the outcome of any given play a bad quarterback is going to negatively influence the outcome of more plays than a bad defense will give them free plays is my opinion. And in general, I think the data would back this. So you mentioned Carson Wentz though, obviously not going to be, not going to be starting this week amongst the, the, the bevy of bad quarterbacks we have in the league. Carson Wentz, maybe not even one of them anymore because he's probably done with the Eagles. And I kind of think that Jalen Hurts is just an interesting talking point because I thought he looked really good in his uh you know brief appearance last week against the Packers the other thing too is we know the rushing upsides there I think it was he ended up with five rushing attempts last week ended up throwing one long touchdown pass so what do you expect from Jalen Hurts for the rest of the year and is is he somebody I guess at this point you're probably not going to take a risk and start him in a playoff matchup but going forward what do you think of him as a fantasy asset yeah, I have like uh, like some Ben Roethlisberger teams, like Stafford teams that have kind of like, uh, you know, they were good enough that they didn't hurt me. They could have gotten me there. I would say in the right context, I would actually consider starting Jalen Hurts over them. Or if, I don't know, if you had a really good team elsewhere and you've just been like churning streaming quarterbacks, I think Jalen Hurts is probably one of the best streaming quarterbacks you're going to get because of what you said is rushing potential. One, I think like I'll talk about his rushing potential because that's the cheat code for quarterbacks, but he is like seemingly a good passer. I know these big 12 quarterbacks tend to just put up gaudy numbers, but the ones that put up the gaudiest efficiency numbers have generally been at least modestly successful in the NFL, like at the high end, Patrick Holmes, and at the low end, Baker Mayfield, who set the touchdown record for, for rookies, like in a limited, I think it was like 14 games. And like Kyler Murray, who has been good as a passer. Like, I don't think he's perfect as a passer, but he's been good. I think when you played similarly in college to those guys, like you probably look like at worst Baker Mayfield as a passer and as a rusher, he went over 1200 yards. I mean, he was like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray esque as a rusher, truly. And that is really what you're targeting for is that he's good enough as a passer and that he dominates as a runner. And it's like what we've seen from Taysom Hill hasn't actually been a bad passer. It's just that you, you play him because you have two rushing touchdown upside. I think Hurt certainly has that and, and is easily the best like fantasy quarterback pickup you're going to get through the rest of the season because we've like already exhausted most of our other options you know you already you missed the window on Taysom Hill obviously like months ago you missed the window on Justin Herbert I think Jalen Hurts is probably your last hope if you still need a quarterback I, I hope you don't still need a quarterback but I do think he'll be a good fantasy option yeah I just don't know if I would trust him at this point of the year it, it's just because if you're in the playoffs right you've gotten to this point like you said that probably well, at least you hope you don't need a quarterback at this point. I, I just don't know if in such a high leverage spot, unless you just have total crap at quarterback, like you said, it's a streaming situation. Like, yeah, I think he's a fine streamer. I don't know that I'd start him over somebody that we have like a more established floor of though. The other thing also is, I mean, the Eagles offensive line is terrible. 
They're so bad. that's and, and also uh, I, I think I saw earlier Jason Peters was ruled out for the for the entire year. So yeah. that that's a concern too. Is 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 he going to get banged up? Um, I, I don't necessarily think he's the safest quarterback, but it, it's not hard to see the ceiling there. Yeah. Would you? I guess I'll throw these out to you. Would you take him over Roethlisberger? Uh, let me think. Um, yeah, I probably would. The other thing also though is I think the Steelers and Roethlisberger are so fraudulent this year. Like, <laughs> I, I I don't like they were they were eleven and zero, and I have I have a lot of futures bets on Mahomes to win MVP, and I was a little nervous that the Steelers were going to go sixteen and zero, and the voters just going to be like, hey, let's give it a Roethlisberger. It's a good story coming back from injury, and but at the same time, I was like, I have. I was very confident they were going to lose a game to somebody at some point. I didn't think it was going to be against a bad team like Washington. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I, I, my, my point being in terms of fantasy is I don't have all that much faith in Roethlisberger. So even though he has great weapons, I probably would lean to start Hurts over him just because of the rushing upside. Yeah, I have some Roethlisberger teams that have like they've been fine enough. Like Roethlisberger has been fine enough. He's had some good games. They pass a lot to get you there. But this could be like the deciding pushes. Like if if Hurts simply outscores him by like the rushing touchdown – once or twice over the fantasy playoffs, that could be the difference. So I think that's like a good scenario. Stafford, would you start him over Stafford? Um, yeah, I probably would, although it is a really favorable game script for for Stafford. But the other thing too is Stafford's a little banged up at this point of the year. He's been listed as questionable like four or five weeks in a row or something like that. He had the fake COVID scare and he's just never been healthy ever <laughs> since then. Uh, so yeah, I'd probably start him over Stafford. Um but yeah, I don't think there's too many other established quarterbacks in the league that I'd be willing to start Hurts over. I think these are some realistic questions that we could uh, like yeah. that teams could be facing. Like I'm, I think I do have like some Ben Roethlisberger teams I'm starting Hurts over because I ended up picking up a decent amount of Roethlisberger. I'll throw one last one to you, although I think I know the answer. Any interest in starting him over Matt Ryan? They just lost uh, Julio Jones for this game. Um, I'd I'd rather start Matt Ryan going up against the yeah. Chargers. Chargers also don't have a good defense, and you know even though Julio Jones is out, I mean. And I thought Julio Jones was going to end up playing this week. It's always hard to get a read on Julio Jones early in the week. Cause always. it's like, Oh, he's not practicing, but what does it matter? He never practices. Dude. It's hard it's to get a read in, on him until like the end of the first quarter. It, n- n- not even he leaves at halftime. Sometimes it's, <laughs> that, that's, that's not even enough time, but yeah, I think it's, it's a favorable game script against the chargers that also what's the total for that game. I think it's really high. It's was it 49 and a half for 49 when it opened. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's right around 50 now. So one Ooh. of the higher totals of the slate. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a decent spot for Matt Ryan. And, you know, he still has, he still has Calvin Ridley to go to. His floor has been secure-ish this year. You know, he scored like over 20 fantasy points in something like six of his last nine games. So, yeah, I'd be, I'd be fine with, with Matt Ryan over Hurts. Yeah, I think I would, I would draw the line at these, like, less exciting Ben Roethlisberger, Matthew Stafford types. Like I still think Ryan in this game environment is actually exciting. All right. Here's a question from Jackson Zander. I think this one's pretty easy to answer. He has to start two of these three, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Naheem Hines, or David Johnson. And I'll say this. I don't know if you saw this right before we started. Uh, David Johnson looks like he's out this week. He's not traveling with the team. So that basically narrows it down to Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, and Naheem Hines. And I think it's pretty easy to cross Hines out of that group yeah assuming Jacobs does play uh, I would definitely yeah just cross cross Hines out it's just you know you take the volume you take the the more talented backs honestly if he doesn't play your choice is made so yeah Yeah. I I think that's exactly so if 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 Jacobs does play yeah yeah if Jacobs does play you cross Hines out if he doesn't play you put Hines in all right let's see what other questions we have here and then and then to the point if if Jacobs plays 
I'm not too concerned about his workload. Like, I think they're going to give him plenty of touches. It would be weird if they took away a touch and gave him to, to Devontae Booker after they didn't play Devontae Booker that much when Jacobs yeah. was actually out. So I, I think that he should be good to go. Um, let's see. Didn't uh, This is a different one, but it's a lot of the same players we had in a question before. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a wide receiver, Lazard... Cooper, Chark, or Cootie. So this is somebody else who has literally almost the exact same roster as, as somebody else we had. So to repeat those names, Alan Lazard, Amari Cooper, DJ Chark, and Kiki Cootie. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is for half point PPR. Alan Zard, Amari Cooper, Charker. I'm going to go with Cooper. I think his role has been still fairly consistent, at least in terms of in the aggregate, has been consistent since they locked at, lost Dak Prescott. And this is actually a spot where they're actually projected to win and put up a decent amount of points. They're not like a, a 17 implied team total massive underdog. He's been good enough that I think you can still play him whenever Andy Dalton is under center. Like, obviously, if Dalton weren't under center, that would be concerning. But with Dalton in the lineup, there's like a baseline level of production that you can expect from him. Whereas I, I still don't feel that way about like a, a chart getting passes from Mike Glennon. So I'll go with Cooper. It's unfortunate that it's not Cooper with Dak, but I think that's why we're facing this decision. And I still think you lock in more targets, uh, more targets and overall production by playing Cooper. Yeah. And the other thing too, is, I mean, Andy Dalton's serviceable, right? I mean, I mean, when, when, when Prescott first went down, Dalton took over, I mean, the Cowboys were still favored to win the division at that point. What really hurt them was when Dalton got hurt and then they just had, you know, the Cooper rush and Ben DiNucci take over a quarterback. And that's when, that's when things really went wayward, but you know, with Dalton, they've been okay. And uh, let me bring up the numbers for Cooper in the last three weeks. I mean, yeah, he's producing pretty well and there's been some tougher matchups in there. I mean, against, against the Ravens, five for 43 in a touchdown against Washington, six for 112 in a touchdown uh, against the Vikings, six catches for 81 yards. So he's been, he's been a guy that, that Dalton's looking to a lot. They're still willing to throw the ball a ton with Dalton. Uh, surprisingly, I thought when Prescott first went down and Dalton took over, I did think they were going to lean on Zeke a little bit more, except they just can't really run the football. So there's still a team that's throwing the ball a ton. I, I think that Cooper is the choice there. I, I'm going to agree with you. Um, 720 Red Dog, who but we're, we're filling out this guy's entire lineup today. He's got, he's got lots of. Uh, Just give me your account. I'll log in and make the decisions. Yeah. <laughs> what is your Yahoo email and password? Um, <laughs> Leonard Fournette or Ty Johnson? But you go from like really good to really bad situations in a in a hurry, Mister 720 Red Dog. So, Leonard Fournette or Ty Johnson? Uh, who are you starting of those two? If Gore doesn't play, Ty Johnson actually seems locked in for pretty significant workload. It was like 21 carries, I believe, and two targets last week. Obviously, that came with the context they were winning at points in that game up until the very end, essentially. 
not going to be the case this week, but this also is a team that was just locking in Frank Gore for 15 touches, win, lose, draw, didn't matter. They were just locking him in for volume. So if he doesn't play, I think Ty Johnson is kind of the easy decision. If he does play, they were locking in Frank Gore for 15 to 20 carries. I don't think that leaves much room for, for Ty Johnson. I'm not excited to start Leonard Fournette, but you certainly carry at least more scoring upside because he plays on a team with a higher total. And some PPR, just overall reception upside, whereas I don't know how much six, seven total touches we see from Ty Johnson at the most if Frank Gore is active. So your projection probably looks better, not only in overall volume, but the scoring environment if you play Leonard Fournette. If Frank Gore is out, it's Ty Johnson. If he's not, it's Leonard Fournette. And I think it's kind of clear cut that way. Yeah, I, I think what makes this a little hard with Frank Gore is that so he he left Sunday's game with a concussion, and that's what led to the big uh, workload for for Johnson. So then Gore practiced limited on Wednesday. It seemed like he, he was having some issues, and then he didn't practice Thursday. However, Frank Gore usually doesn't practice Thursday because he's been playing since they played since they you know played in leather helmets. So Frank Gore's old. He's got a lot of miles on his body. There's no reason to run him in practice every week. So. It's hard to know how much of that was because of the injury or how much of it was just because Frank Gore is old and that's just his injury <laughs> designation a lot of times during the during the week. So keep an eye on Frank Gore, like you said. I, I agree. I think Ty Johnson's the easy choice if Frank Gore's out, but if Frank Gore plays, then I guess you go to Fournette, but it's hard to feel good about that also. Um, let's see. What else? Uh <laughs> Somebody's saying he heard us talking about Peyton Barber and had to leave. I understand. But these are the yep, questions people have to make at this point in the season. There are, there are some people that <laughs> that need a roster. Peyton Barber on their fantasy team, unfortunately. And this is also a weird point in the season where there have been so many injuries this year. And there's always a lot of injuries in football. But this year in particular, we have the injuries which have been trending upward for, I don't know, like 15 years or something like that. I think the numbers, there's slightly more season-ending injuries every year then also you combine some of the other situations we have going on with football where players again you know ruled out because of positive tests and whatnot uh there's a lot of fantasy rosters that are very thin i know like earlier in the year with best ball when i was doing some of those those drafts i was like this is tediously long i was like there's no reason for these drafts to be like 25 25 players deep or whatever it was and, and drafts just take forever However, then we get four weeks into the season, like I don't have enough players to feel the lineup anymore. So that's kind of what the situation's been this week where, or this year in general, where, yeah, you have to play some really crappy players at some point. Yeah, it's super funny. Like there, and like, it's not just that there are like bad teams that are thin at positions. Like there are good teams that got really thin really quick. Like the dude in our chat who lost Christian McCaffrey made second, probably because he had, I don't know, like, like some, you know, Keenan Allen's or some of these like mid-round receivers that like if you just like brute forced your way with like Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, like uh, like Terry McLaurin, you could honestly, because you weren't the only one to sustain like a brutal first round injury, like Chris McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, DK Elliott wasn't injured, but his offense was injured. So it's kind of been the same thing. Michael Thomas, like you could brute force your way with wide receivers to a, a fantasy playoff berth and still be starting a Peyton Barber. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one other thing, guys, if you're watching, do us a favor and click on the like button. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Definitely helps out uh, our numbers, helps people watch, and helps us reach more people. Help us help you, right? Come in, like the video, the more people find out, and then they know who to, they know whether to start Peyton Barber or not in their, in their fantasy league. Uh, and the other thing to consider also, in terms of awesomeos, the NBA DFS is almost here, and we do have a special promo code. We're offering $1 NBA access through December 29th for new members when you use the promo code CARUSO. It gives you access to everything we have to offer for NBA preseason DFS. First week of regular NBA season action, including projections, ownership projections, our expert Slack chat, 
lineup builder, and much more. So sign up today. That is using the promo code Caruso, player that was probably just picked, you know, no particular reason. Just like, hey, why not Caruso? There's there's no no reason that name came about. Uh, so, all right, we've actually got a decent amount of questions piling up here, so we could fire through these before we wrap up the show. Uh, from Matt Riley, pick three. Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, Brandon Cooks, Deontay Johnson, Mike Evans. All right, well, first of all, that is a tremendous crop of wide receivers you have. Uh, I'll read those names out again because um, there's a lot of them. Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, who looks like he might not play. That is also something that considers that A.J. Brown's banged up. Uh, Brandon Cooks, Deontay Johnson, Mike Evans. Pick three of them. Tell me if you need me to read them four or five more times. <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. It's the it's the first two. It's Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley, especially with Julio Jones being out. I feel like there's no questions around Calvin Ridley being his team's number one receiver. His uh, like his just overall volume and and receiving yards have tuned up. And I believe three games that uh, Julio Jones has outright missed. And Keenan Allen is just like our like 2020s Michael Thomas with the volume he's seeing. And he's seeing it from a quarterback who's throwing touchdowns at a crazy clip up until last week, obviously. But I'm going to write that one off as kind of a mirage. So I'm going to take the the two best receivers here, the two probably most targeted receivers. Maybe Deontay Johnson kind of contends with these guys for most targeted. And uh, and probably the best game environment outside of like a, a Mike Evans playing and also a pretty good uh, a good game. I, I think you just lock in so much production with the, the first two receivers, Ridley and Allen, now that Julio Jones is out. It wasn't much of a decision for me, although I do, I, I like Deontay Johnson and Mike Evans. It's just that uh, they're much more like committee receivers. They have better competition around them. Uh, but he wanted us to pick three. So you still get to pick one more oh, of those, cool. of those great receivers. So uh, that is, and let's see, what's the latest on AJ Brown? The other ones were AJ Brown, Brandon Cooks, Deontay Johnson, and Mike Evans. Oh, I'm legit not even picking AJ Brown anyways. He's banged up and he's a number two receiver. Oh, uh. I, I, I am, people love playing AJ Brown, like in DFS, but in season long too, they love playing AJ Brown who gets like five targets a week and Corey Davis routinely out targets him. I think some of that is a bit of a mirage. Like AJ Brown was undeniably good, but like our priors on Corey Davis were that he was an incredible college prospect. The NFL affirmed his talent by taking him highly in the first round by his second year in the NFL. He was like producing like a top 24 wide receiver and unsurprisingly, like he played for a terrible offense multiple years and kind of fizzled out. Now he produces again, and we shouldn't be awfully surprised. I think they have two good receivers on a team that does not want to pass the ball at all. That puts your floor for A.J. Brown already at a, at a pretty low weekly output. He needs that long touchdown. I'm not saying like for most teams, you don't have this crop of receivers. So you're probably playing A.J. Brown, assuming he does actually play. But the risk is so high with him coming in with this injury. He has a good receiver competing for targets with him on a, on a pie that is already so low because they don't want to pass the football. And now they're big favorites this week. I think his floor is incredibly low. If he does a play it's between Mike Evans and Deontay Johnson. I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson. I know like he's been like comically dropping passes every single game, like multiple drops in back-to-back games. I don't care. Maybe I care a little bit, but I mostly don't care. The target volume for him has just been insane. He's got like five or six games with double digit targets. And most of the games he hasn't seen double digit targets are the games he leaves with an injury. And that hasn't happened in four or five weeks. So it seems like he's passed all of these injury woes. Pittsburgh is just one of the past heaviest teams in the NFL, given the expectation that at a, what 11 and one, they should be one of the run heaviest teams in the NFL. The teams that are winning generally have the luxury to run on fourth quarter leaps. They just don't do that. They keep passing sort of like the Chiefs late into the third and fourth quarter. Because of that, you can have so many games where win, lose, draw. Deontay Johnson sees 10 targets. I'm going to bank on those 10 targets every single every single day of the week. 
So here we've got a question. I, I, I agree with the first part here from uh, Loundhow in the YouTube chat. He says he's having a hard time trusting Todd Gurley. Very reasonable. <laughs> but here is other options. Peyton Barber, who I, I can't believe so many of you guys are thinking about Peyton Barber this week. But Dude, this reminds me. I believe I know I need to go pick up Peyton Barber. And I thought <laughs> of it on the show. I was like, oh, Peyton Barber, perfect. Uh, so Todd Gurley, Peyton Barber, Jamal Williams, or Philip Lindsay. Um <sighs> I think I'm still inclined to start Todd Gurley amongst that group of guys. What say you? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I'm still starting Todd Gurley. Like his team, it was like, unless maybe, like you could argue arguably like Jamal Williams, I think comes sort of close because it's the same kind of argument where, well, he could score touchdowns, he could catch passes. But I think I'm going to take probably more locked in volume. I know Ito Smith actually out-snapped, uh, outsnapped Todd Gurley last week. Then Dirk Cutter came out and said he was dealing with a bit of a knee injury, but they still, he said that they still wanted to use him as their pass catching back and as their goal line back. Those are the most important roles. And he honestly wasn't doing anything with a, a carry at the 50 yard line. Anyways, that was worth 0.2 fantasy points to Todd Gurley. Like it wasn't a lot. The, the reason you were playing Todd Gurley was for touchdowns and the fact that he gets a little bit of targets right now. I think he's like third or fourth in the, in the NFL in red zone rush attempts. It's a good game environment. Like you said, the totals up uh, 50 or so points. That's enough for me to say, like, I'm willing to bet on the touchdown with him, even if I think he's just completely dust because he's probably more likely to score a touchdown than anyone else we just mentioned. And that was like the upside for all those guys anyways. Like the upside for Jamal Williams is he steals one touchdown from Aaron Jones. The upside with Peyton Barber is that they just jam him in once they get inside the five-yard line. I think Todd Gurley's touchdown potential is just better than any of those other guys, even if he's just straight up dust. I have bad news. We have a question about a name worse than Peyton Barber. That's not possible. Oh, Scholar usually wants to know if he should start Cameron Batson or KJ Hamler. Um, th- that is, th- that's a really tough situation this part of the no, year. This, but... a bit. this can't be real. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, l- let me see. I guess, I guess Batson, he scored a touchdown last week. I, I had to look up his numbers. I, I did not remember what he did at all last week. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that maybe if AJ Brown's out, there's, something to think about there but there's a realistic scenario where Cameron Batson is a decent play (laughs) uh but but or else I I think it's Hamler it's not really saying a a ton that I think that he's a better play here but I mean if you look at the targets for Hamler um last handful of games five six ten ten so at least there's work there Batson last week ended up with three targets he did score on one of them but or else he's really not been a part of the game plans this year so I'll go with Hamler uh, maybe if Brown's out, there's something to consider there. But other than that, I'm pretty comfortably saying Hamler between the two. Yeah, I think even if Brown is out, like there's a lot of scenarios where we get like Julio Jones out. Oh, well, his his backup is is Olamide Zacchaeus or whatever. And Christian Blake goes out and scores the touchdowns. Like that happens pretty often where we think we know that like just the next guy on the depth chart, the number, you know, you look up, you go to PF ref, sort by targets. The guy who's third in targets will jump to being the guy who's second in targets. And like coaches just do random or hard to predict things with their receiving cores whenever a guy goes down so even if brown is out i would just think your floor is still like zero catches for for cameron batson whereas amler like you said the targets have been there like they're not efficient they come from drew lock who's a below average at best quarterback but they throw the ball a lot because they're typically losing so i'm going to roll with the the target floor and i think it's a pretty significantly higher target floor when you look at hamler all right, we've got two decent tight ends to talk about here. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked a question, uh, TJ Hawkinson or Evan Ingram. That's going to be Hawkinson for me. Uh, I mean, especially if Daniel Jones is out. But even if Daniel Jones plays, Hawkinson's been a really safe player. So somebody who I who I like for 
for yearly leagues, uh, double digit fantasy points in six of his last seven games. That's a really high floor out of the tight end position. Evan Ingram has some big games from time to time, but he's massively inconsistent. I mean, talking about players who drop a lot of passes, we talked about Deontay Johnson last week. Here's what's ridiculous about Evan Ingram is he drops the easiest like six yard slant passes over the middle, but then he'll make like a diving one handed catch and get both his feet in against the sidelines or something like that. So Evan Ingram massively inconsistent for head to head type situation. I think the TJ Hoggins and lock in the points with him. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this still holds true. This is a gold mine. I discovered this stat like six weeks ago, like six weeks ago, it was, there were three players who had seen at least four targets, three tight ends, excuse me, who had seen at least four targets in every single game. It's Logan Thomas, Hunter Henry and TJ Hawkinson. They've all, I believe, kept up that streak for the, like, I, I looked that up in like week nine or something and it's been going, but that does go to show you for TJ Hawkinson specifically, just the kind of role he's held in his offense that no matter what his floor has been, at least four targets, which at the tight end position is honestly like it's, it's something only three tight ends can say, like not even Travis Kelsey can say that, which is incredible. Not even Darren Waller can say that. So the, the floor you get from Hawkinson is, is probably vastly higher than someone like, like, uh, man the the drops the drops are just uh they are pretty comical from evan ingram so and the adot actually for evan ingram is actually very funny too like he is just he's like peak he's the jarvis landry of tight ends and tight ends already have low adot so even if he does go out and get seven targets there's no guarantee that he tops 30 yards in them whereas like hawkinson probably more athletic more touchdown potential and in a much more exciting game environment i believe like on the highest totals if not the highest total of the week their matchup versus green bay Sticking on the same game, I, I think you're going to be on the same page with me. This is a pretty easy decision. Uh, from Jason L. in the YouTube chat, with Kyler struggling and the New York Giants defense playing well, is it crazy to consider Matt Stafford over Kyler Murray? Uh, yes. Because Kyler Murray, even even with some of his struggles, he's scored over 30 fantasy points, in uh, at least in terms of DraftKings, almost every year this season, right? Like, he he very rarely has actually bad fantasy games, and it's because of that rushing potential. So even if he isn't throwing the ball particularly well, he's still scoring fantasy points because of of his work on the ground. He has, um, I mean, how many? He, he has almost a rushing touchdown per game this year, and then rushing yards. He's the team's leading rusher. So I, I think for Kyler Murray, the ceiling and floor is plenty safe enough. I know the Giants' defense has been much better this year than we would have expected it to be, but there's there's no reason to roster Matt Stafford over Kyler Murray, even if he's looked a little bit more mediocre over the last couple of weeks. 100% agree. I think uh, one, like, yeah, his, he's been down as of late a little bit, but it's still five carries in back-to-back-to-back games. That's probably something almost no other quarterback can say. And, like, who's to say this isn't the week that that turns around to the 11-carry 65-yard game? I think we see that he's had a handful of not-ideal uh, performances, and we extrapolate that to, well, he's never – it's done. There's no more Kyler Murray. But we're dealing with such small samples in terms of the past three games that I'm going to look to the larger history of Kyler Murray the entirety of the season and say he's been really good then. And as a rusher, even dating back to last year, like he wasn't per- he wasn't really good as a passer, but he was incredible, again, as a rusher. So I'm going to look at the, the larger sample and say, Kyler Murray, there's just no way you can sit him. All right. MB Braves 23. Who do I start in the flex? JD McKissick, T.Y. Hilton, or DeAndre Swift? Uh, T.Y. Hilton is easy one to rule out. McKissick versus Swift is actually kind of interesting. I wouldn't have thought it was going to be, but when you consider some of the issues that that Swift has had, and then you combine the passing role that JD McKissick has, like Alex Smith is king check down. He loves he loves throwing those short little passes to McKissick. One thing that I think is pretty significant here is uh is this half point or full point PPR because that actually kind of makes a difference um I I think that there's a case to be made for uh Swift versus McKissick just because I mean 
look at the role that that McKissick had last week with Gibson out. He was targeted 10 times in the passing game. He had 10 catches for 70 yards. I, I think that I'm actually slightly inclined to go with McKissick in a head-to-head um, over Swift, but I, I saw a look on your face that maybe you disagree. So Swift or McKissick, what's safe for you? And then um, I, I assume that you're not considering T.Y. Hilton against those two. I would never consider T.Y. Hilton. It's, it's like two good games, one of which he wasn't even targeted that much. Last week he was targeted more, which is good, but it's not good enough. I need more than like one or two good games from a player who's been terrible all season. Now, my look was more of pain that I think it's probably smart to bench DeAndre Swift in this scenario because I don't want to do it. I love DeAndre Swift. He's looked really good whenever he's been given the chance. Now he like seems like his, his the end of his season might just kind of putter out, unfortunately. Yeah, McKissick has been incredible. Since Alex Smith took over in like the first or second quarter of the game where uh, it was a Kyle Allen went down, McKissick is eighth in the NFL in targets, not among running backs, eighth among all players in targets. He has three games with double-digit targets, and they're a very high completion percentage throw. Like he, You can lock him in for probably at a minimum, especially as underdogs this week, of five to six catches, like minimum of five to six catches. His upside is literally 14 catches. Like we saw like 14 targets or 13 targets a few weeks ago. This is the perfect scenario for that to play out where they're underdogs to like a decent enough defense. I think, unfortunately, assuming it is PPR, I man, you got to bench DeAndre Swift. J.D. McKissick's role is just too good. Yeah, especially I mean, when you think about Gibson's out. If, if Gibson was playing or if we get some unexpected update that he's going to play, which doesn't look like it's going to be the case, then I, then I think you go to Swift. But right now with McKissick, I mean, just the targets are so ridiculous. Uh, not only the 10 last week, but then you go back um, a, a few weeks before that is when they were actually winning games and McKissick wasn't all that involved, but when they're behind, which happens a lot to Washington, I mean, look at week 10 against the Lions, 15 targets for McKissick. Uh, week nine against the Giants, 14 targets for McKissick. It doesn't matter that all those targets go for five yards. It's so many PPR points. I've never seen a player who just accumulates all their fantasy points based on PPR, where it's like, hey, this guy's going to have nine catches for 30 yards, but he's going to have good fantasy games out of it. But that's kind of where we're at with J.D. McKissick. So I think that he's somebody that's actually probably pretty safe with a decent upside um, with with Gibson likely not playing. Uh, Just a couple questions left here Uh, from Max Dwyer. uh, Chris Godwin or Adam Thielen? Adam Thielen, I think you're probably actually a scenario where the Vikings are forced to pass a little bit because they're like six or seven point underdogs, I think. And their passing game has been incredible. Like Kirk Cousins has been like top five in the NFL in like yards per attempt, adjusted yards per attempt, all of the efficiency metrics. When you tune up the volume a little bit, Adam Thielen, not only as like at worst, the one B really just like a, a two number one receiver system they run because Chad Beebe, like you can come like I was betting like Chad Beebe under 12 and a half receiving yards prop pets last week and they cashed. I think he had 10 yards. So uh, like they don't use anyone else outside of these two guys. It looks like a, a pretty awesome game environment. Just the back and forth shootout potential of this, where they're actually forced to throw Chris Godwin, even though his team is projected to score more points and will probably pass close to as much. You just face so much more competition from a better tight end. Rob Gronkowski, who's looked good as of late. Mike Evans, one of the best like age adjusted producers in like the thousand yard season. He continues to put up. He's uh, like could very well set a record. So, and uh, Antonio Brown, like the one of the best receivers I've ever watched play. So the, the target competition is just too much for me to bench Adam Thielen. Yeah, it is really tough to figure out that the Buccaneers passing game situation. It's something that I figured was going to be the case with Antonio Brown. I just wasn't sure, like, because the range of outcomes on Antonio Brown is like he could be the number one receiver for the Buccaneers. He could be washed. There was no way to know because he's been a crazy person off the field. He hasn't played all that much football recently, so it, it was hard to know what they're expecting out of him and. 
He's kind of been in the middle, which is a little bit disappointing because I was hoping we'd either get really good Antonio Brown or really bad Antonio Brown, who's kind of a locker room issue. It's unfortunate <laughs> we got something in the middle. It's just kind of uninteresting, but that's that's what we ended up with. But still, it's it's hard to figure out the targets there on a week-to-week basis. So give me Adam Thielen. Um, ooh, a Patrick Mahomes question. Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert? Uh, I think you just always go with Patrick Mahomes. Always. Defense doesn't matter for Patrick Mahomes. You know, the the weapons he has, like even if if everyone, if every single player, you know, they were they were in the in the sauna rubbing each other's bodies up and they all got COVID, I would not care. He could be throwing to practice squad players. I'm taking I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. He's just the best, uh, like I think he's the best quarterback. Uh, I don't want to say the best quarterback of all time. He's the most gifted quarterback of all time. And I think by the time his career is over, he'll probably be the best of all time. So don't uh, just never bench Patrick Mahomes. All right, guys, any final questions, get them in, because I'm reading the final one that we have in the YouTube chat right now from MB Braves 23 Wayne Gallman or DeAndre Swift, full point PPR. DeAndre Swift, uh, tough question. A lot of people are, are trying to figure out whether to sit or start him. The role for Wayne Gallman has been pretty ridiculous as of late. The Giants have been giving him a lot of the touches. Other running backs, they mix in also. But still, I mean, you look at Wayne Gallman. He rushed for 135 yards last week. He's pretty consistently been getting around 20 touches per game. So you like that workload. The other thing, too, he gets all of the touches in the red zone. The Giants get to, like, the two-yard line. It's like, hey, we're running the ball with Wayne Gallman four times. We don't know if we're going to score or not, but Wayne Gallman's getting the touches every single time down here. Uh, So that is something to consider. I think I might even lean Gallman over Swift, but that's dependent on Daniel Jones playing because the Giants offense is so weak with Colt McCoy at quarterback that it's just going to be hard for them to score in that situation. If Daniel Jones is in, I lean towards Gallman. I'm just really concerned about the, the, the floor for Swift, even though he looked really good last time we saw him active, dealing with the concussion, some of the other stuff. And also he hasn't played the, the, the bell cow role all season. They still have carry on Johnson. They still have Adrian Peterson. And maybe they'll be a little bit cautious. It's not, it's not like the Lions are playing for anything at this point in the season. So I have a slight lean towards Gallman. For what it's worth in our projections, we have Gallman projected for slightly more fantasy points. It's 14.2 to 14 fantasy points. Uh, so it's it's very close. Do you have a strong lean between Gallman and Swift? No, I, I definitely don't think I have a strong lean. I will agree, though. I'll go go. go. I'll go Gallman. It's just that uh, like the offenses, although we think of like the Lions as a far superior offense, assuming Daniel Jones does play, which there was a report earlier in the week that they expected that he would play. So it seems likely that he does. And it looks like Vegas has it lined that way that he'll be playing. There's like a, a two implied team total discrepancy between the Giants and the Lions this week. That means they're probably putting up similar numbers. And when they're putting up similar numbers, I'm going to take the back who, as you said, has just been, he's been used to the goal line. He's been used between the tackles. He gets a handful of targets. Like there is just no way that Wayne Gallman doesn't go out and see more or as much work as DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift is certainly a better talent, but the floor for him remains so low. Whereas the floor for Gallman, which is like, imagine, you know, at week two, if I told you, hey, Wayne Gallman is going to be one of the highest four players in your flex every single week. It looks like that's true, just given his role. So I'm going to roll with that. Yeah, and the other thing also would have made it really ridiculous week too is if I remember correctly, the game where Saquon Barkley tore his ACL, Wayne Gallman wasn't even active. He didn't make the roster for that game. Correct. So he I think, I think yeah, he, was, he was on the practice squad. Like he wasn't even activated. So that would have made it even harder to believe because not only was he behind Saquon Barkley on the depth chart, he wasn't even being activated for games. But that is where we're at. So that wraps up the show, guys. Uh, do us a favor. Like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the Awesome Podcast Network. If you're looking for NBA content, go sign up using the promo code Caruso, just a dollar to try through December 29th. Also shows later in the day, I'm going to be doing the NBA preseason live before lock show. 
me and Adam sure are going to be working through the news and trying to figure out who's actually going to play minutes for NBA preseason. That should be fun. Uh, thanks to Tyler behind the scenes for uh, figuring this out and getting us up on YouTube because that was a little hairy for a second, but that'll do it. So play the music out.